Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 59 Friends and Captors Year 216 A.T.C. After the Cataclysm When Dorothy awoke, she was still in her cage being pulled on a cart by the wolves. She looked to her right and to her left. Mister on one side, the woodman on the other. Directly ahead of her was a fourth cart. In it was her backpack, her knives, and the woodman's silver axe. Where do you think they're taking us? asked Mister. It was a stupid question, and he knew it. He was simply trying to make conversation. My guess is they're taking us to Ozma, said the woodman. Or they're taking us to Eiffel. What makes you think that? asked Dorothy. What makes you think it's one or the other? That they're not just taking us somewhere to cook us and eat us or something? They can't eat me, said the woodman. And they'd get nothing from the scarecrow. And if they were planning on eating you, they would have done it by now. They all looked ahead at the wolves, who snarled and snapped at each other. No, they're taking us to Ozma. Ori fell. And I'd be willing to bet the outcome is going to be the same no matter who we're delivered to. The woodman was right. Sometimes Dorothy forgot where she was. Sometimes she forgot her traveling companions were not flesh and blood. The wolves were clearly hungry and tired. She would have been devoured by now if she was not meant to be kept alive. At least for the time being. The next question was, who would they rather be turned over to? Ifel would likely want Dorothy to kill Ozma. Ozma would likely be upset that she hadn't killed Ifel. There was no positive outcome for this situation. Still, she hoped they were not being taken to Ifel. A familiar face would be nice in this strange, newly constructed land, even if that face belonged to a pissed-off Ozma. Dorothy dropped the conversation and looked ahead, losing herself in thought. All this time, she thought she was going to get back to Kansas, back to Uncle Henry and Aunt Em, her friends, the few she had, and most importantly, her home. Now she just felt naive. Now she would love nothing more than to just get out of Oz. 
she would be happy to end up in Australia, Canada, Africa. Hell, at this point, she would even be grateful to find herself in a place like Omaha, Nebraska. Bit by bit, her optimism was beginning to fade, and she could no longer consider herself hopeful. The wolves came to a stop as the ground beneath them began to shake. They each raised their noses into the air and sniffed. Their ears twitched as their eyes moved in all directions. The ground shook again, and this time, the captors hunched their backs and lowered themselves into a defensive position. The ground shook a third time. This time, the trees shook enough to knock leaves from their branches. The wolves began to snarl and bare their teeth as a razor line of hair stuck up from their backs. Everyone remained silent. Whatever was out here in the wilderness, it seemed likely it was not good. Not necessarily worse than the man-wolves, but probably not much better. Everyone in the party, captors and captives alike, watched as the trees began to uproot themselves and part, creating a path for a large beast. It looked for all the world to Dorothy like a giant Komodo dragon, only instead of scales, its flesh appeared to be made of the bark of a tree. Resting on its head was what appeared to be a young boy, though it was hard to tell from where Dorothy was. Behind the boy was a man with a large, orange, misshapen head. There appeared to be someone or something behind the orange-headed man as well. But Dorothy could not get a clear enough look at who or what was sitting in the back. The beast stopped in front of the wolves, and there was a momentary silence between all involved. Everyone in Dorothy's camp watched as the boy, yes, it was a boy after all, dropped down to the ground. Unarmed, he held his hands out in a show of good faith. The wolves continued to snarl as their mouths dripped a white, frothy foam. I don't want any trouble, said the boy as he calmly continued to walk toward the wolves. I just want your cargo. Sounds like trouble to me, said the leader of the pack whose cart held the backpack and the axe. <laughs> Good, you can talk. I was worried I was dealing with animals for a moment. The leader of the pack growled and lunged forward, opening and closing his mouth with a loud snap. Tip confidently held his ground and did not so much as flinch. There's no need for this aggression. We can all walk away from this in one piece. All you have to do is unlock the cages and give us the witch killer and her friends. And if we don't? asked the wolf with a low growl. Well, then we have to kill you. 
replied Tip nonchalantly, as he lowered a hand to the sword at his side. There is no man in this world that can stop us from fulfilling our duties to the great wolf mother of Oz, replied the wolf. There is certainly no child that can do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt the part about a child. But, uh, I'm not a child. Tip pulled his sword from his side. He quickly and cleanly swept it through the air, cutting the leader's head clean off. The remaining three wolves snarled even more fiercely than before. Whoa, 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 hey. Hey there, take it easy. It's not too late for you to walk away with your lives. We're not going down without a fight, said the wolf in charge of Dorothy's cart. At that very moment, the air split with the soft, zipping sound of an arrow cutting through it at breakneck speed. It buzzed past the wolf, only to stick in the front of Dorothy's cart. Tip cringed at the sight of the wolf, which now had a thin line of hair missing from the side of its face. <sighs> he always misses, said Tip with frustration. The first time. The wolf laughed as he looked up at Jack. His laugh came to an abrupt stop as a second arrow whizzed through the air and passed through its head cleanly and completely. The third wolf leapt at the child, who quickly raised his sword. The cold silver slid into the wolf's chest like warm butter on a hot day, in through the front and out through the back. Tip's confidence was short-lived as the wolf pressed forward, as though the blade running through his chest was nothing but a slight pinprick. The boy fell to the ground as the wolf took his place on all fours, looming over his prey. It let out a blood-curdling howl. His eyes widened and bulged out of its head as Tip firmly gripped the handle of his sword and twisted it, cranking it to the left as hard as he could. He turned his face away as the animal coughed up a foamy, slimy mixture of blood and saliva. He unsuccessfully tried to crawl out from beneath the lifeless beast, but instead found himself pinned to the ground by the dead weight of its heavy carcass. The final wolf laughed as he looked at the boy, watching as he struggled to get free. Before making a move, he checked to make sure the pumpkin man was not lining up a third shot. He was not. In fact, he was nowhere to be seen. So long as an arrow was not pointed in his direction, he did not care about anything but his now helplessly captive prey. Before he could take even one step forward, he felt a sharp pain in his back. Blood sprayed from his mouth as he howled in pain. 
he staggered forward, only to fall dead a mere inch from Tip's face. <laughs> Jack! Tip cried out with exasperation and panic in his voice as he frantically looked around, trying to get a better picture of what just happened. No. Not Jack. The Tin Woodman. Dorothy let out a small girlish scream as the almost wolf-killing arrow lodged itself in the front of her wooden cart. Dorothy, said the woodman quietly. She did not hear him as she stared at the arrow. Dorothy, he repeated a little louder, careful not to speak loud enough to regain the attention of the wolves. This time she heard him and looked at him. Can you reach that arrow? Dorothy did not answer with words, but turned her attention to the arrow and reached out of her cage. It was just out of reach. She pressed herself against the cage as she tried to gain any extra length with her hand. Frustrated, she pulled her arm back in and began ramming the side of the cage with her shoulder. After a few hits, she managed to gain half an inch. She looked at the remaining wolves. Neither of them were paying any attention to her. She reached through the bars once more. This time, she found herself within reach of the arrow, but still not close enough to get a good grip on it. She pulled herself back in and rammed the side of the cage again. She reached out once more, this time able to firmly grip the end of the arrow. With a little more effort than she was expecting, she was able to pull the arrow out. She looked at the woodman, unsure of what he was expecting her to do with it. You know how to pick a lock? he asked, keeping his voice down. Dorothy gave him a dumbfounded look before answering. No, she said. I do not know how to pick a goddamn lock. Do you? No. Why didn't you ask me that before I nearly broke my arm? I do, said Mr. Dorothy and the woodman both turned to look at the scarecrow. What? asked Dorothy. Why do you know how to pick a lock? asked the woodman. I picked a lock once when I was being held by the ogre, replied Mr. A failed attempt at escaping. There was a sullenness in his voice that garnered a strange sympathy from both of his companions. Do you still have your needle? asked Dorothy. Of course, replied Mr. So, said Dorothy, waiting for him to realize what this meant. So, I could pick the lock on my cage. Would have been nice if you'd realized that a little sooner. Mr. ignored the woodman's remark as he fumbled with the needle and the lock. Once he escaped his own cage, he ran to Dorothy and quietly freed her as well. 
he jumped at the sound of one of the wolves howling in pain, nearly dropping the needle. After Dorothy was free, he made his way over to the woodman and repeated the process. The woodman climbed out of his cage and joined Dorothy at the cart in the front. Together, they regained their possessions, along with a small bit of confidence. As Dorothy started walking toward the wolves, which were completely oblivious to their escape, she found the cold metal hand of her former nemesis on her shoulders. She turned and met his hollow eyes with her own. I've got this, Dorothy Gale. You wait here.